0: to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love.
1: Well, hey, so glad you guys are here. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us for this last sermon series. I want to let you know um, this last uh, message of the sermon series, rather. Uh, I want to let you know that today's going to be a little different. Um, I, I said this up front, um, but uh, today we're going to do a little bit of a Q and A, a Q&A conversation about mental health as the as the last message in our in our series. And uh, this this conversation is really centered around mental health resources um, that people can grab onto and use after this uh, series. And so, um, if you've been with us, you know that. Um, the it's okay to not be okay series is is um is a series that's really near and dear to our heart as a church um, uh, mental health is is something that we haven't uh as a church as a big c church, not us as the mission it It, it hasn't been talked about openly it, it has it's had stigma attached to it for years and and so um so we have decided a couple of years ago that we were going to use whatever influence we had um, to break that stigma within our own church. And so we're so glad that you took the time to be here for this, this final, uh, message. And, and, um, and if you don't, I want to encourage those that don't struggle with mental health. Um, this is, there is probably someone within your life that does. You know there's probably someone at work or someone within your own family that does and 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 um, romans twelve fifteen calls us as believers and followers in Christ to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, and so we're supposed to walk alongside each other um, and and I feel like sometimes as Christians, we're really quick to try to have all the answers. But that's not what this verse says. It, it just says, weep with those who are weeping. Walk alongside those who are, who are walking. Um, uh, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And, and so I feel like if, if anything as Christians, we can, we can grasp the fact that we don't have to have all the answers but we can walk alongside someone and say, I'm here, let's figure this out together. Let's, um, let me be the person that you call at 3 a.m. when you're having uh, you know dark mindset or when you're obsessing over something or when depression has taken hold or when you're having uh, extreme grief let me be that person to keep watch with you. That's what Romans 12.15 is saying. And, and um, I, don't, I don't know if you, you've noticed, but in the media, there has been a lot um, of uh, public, very public mental health struggles that have come to a... Very negative conclusion. Um, just, I, I mean, I can think of of four off the top of my head. Two, uh, two that we just had within the last two weeks. Um, but there, there have been very public suicides recently, and um, and it's really easy to say, you know, what that's just out there in celebrity culture. You know, that's Chris Cornell, that's Kate Spade, that's you know, all these different people. That's over there in celebrity culture, but that, they don't live in the real world. Well, I want to remind you that at the beginning of this sermon series, Ricardo kicked off this sermon series, and he um, he had everybody write down something that they were struggling with on a slip of paper. And, and honestly, I didn't know if we were going to Maybe we were going to have five, but they just like poured in, and we as a family, like people who frequent this room, maybe they 're not here today. maybe um, it seem, seems like a lot of people have already taken off for summer, and that 's totally cool, like go have summer fun but but um but they may not be here today, but people who frequent these halls, this room the, this is the list of things that we found. Um, people within our own church are struggling with. James, can you put that up there for me? This isn't over there. This is here. The person that's sitting next to you might be one of these. And so I feel like it's our duty... To take this seriously and to um, and to address this within the church context, because if you're if you've been a part of the mission for thirty minutes or thirty years, which we haven't been around thirty years, we've only been around five. But um, <laughs> but um, if you've been with us thirty minutes or five years. We're not just a church, we're a family. So you're, you're in the family now. Welcome to the family. And so it's our job as family to look out for one another, to walk alongside each other, because I am frequently floored at the things people are going through that I had no idea. I am frequently flabbergasted, that's two F's in a row, frequently, that's scary actually, I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> um, I, I'm frequently stunned by the things that people I am close to are going through that I had no idea because we put up these, we put on these masks, we put up these walls, uh, we isolate ourselves and we, we become someone else in the public eye than we are in private, you know. Um, isolation is the quiet killer, it's the enemy's most effective tool because it keeps you quietly defeated. Amen. And so this, I just, I just wanted to remind us, like, this is here. It's not just over there in celebrity culture, la-la land. Like, it's, you know we have some some staggering things that people are dealing with within our own community. And so this just affirmed to me, and we've spent a lot of time praying over these as leaders. Um, That's what we collected the slips of paper for, um, was to be able to pray over these things, and and we have. Um, But it's our, like, People are going through some heavy things, I guess that's what I want to say. you just never know what people are going through and so we want to equip you that's what we want to use this time for today is to equip you to get have the resources that you need um, because we're all in we're all in process we're all in a varying stages of process maybe maybe you've been a Christian for 40, 50 years, you're still in process. Because Philippians 1 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's saying when the day of Christ Jesus returns, our Savior, that's when it's complete. But until then, we're in process, and we're all in process. So so today is all about equipping you for that process. Um, So I've invited a couple of people from within our own community to come have a conversation with us. Um, And these people uh, are, are what I would consider, they might not consider this, but I would consider them specialists in specific areas. And so, um, would you welcome Rochelle, Mark, and Brian Bell? Come on in, guys. Grab a stool. Anywhere. I think we like each other. Don't fall, okay? All right. Um, Rochelle, can you reach that mic right there? Yes, <laughs> got it. Sweet. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you, guys. I, I want to thank you for for being a part of this. First of all, um, and uh, I have some some questions for you um, that I think are going to be um, really eye opening to some some of the people in the congregation. Um, but first, I just I kind of wanted to hear. Um, your story in terms of why mental health is important to you and and why you do what you do. Um, So um, let's, uh, let's actually just go around. I changed my mind from what we talked about earlier. Let's go, let's go around and, and just, and just share that a little bit. Rochelle, would you, would you mind starting?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind at all. So um, I'm in like the counseling slash therapist field and um, a lot of people enter it, uh, f- into it for different reasons for me i have a, a family history of mental illness within my own family and including substance use and abuse um so that was definitely a factor and and i too have struggled with many of the things that we've seen up on that screen this morning um i have attempted and not completed suicide obviously and um that's just part of my story that's part of who i am now and uh there were just a multitude of factors, including divorce and, um, like I had mentioned, substance use. Uh, but a lack of community, a lack of connection was really big for me.
1: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Of okay. course. So bold.
2: Uh, yeah, Mark. So, um, you know, as a physician, one of the, so the question being, why do I do what I do and why do I fi- feel that mental health is part of that work? Um, I would say I work in urgent care. I'm a family medicine physician. I would say probably more than half of my patients um, struggle with with mental health, and and I think that daily I am trying to help people through that. And and sometimes it's just helping them recognize in themselves that this is a a reason for a lot of their symptoms. Um, You know, I'll just tell a quick story. Last night I saw a patient try and change some of the details. Uh, uh, She was... um, Person who who comes in has literally come to urgent care um, probably forty times in the last two months uh, because she cannot believe that the symptoms that she's having are are related to her anxiety mm. and um, and has had seen uh, th- th- three uh, different neurologists and three different ENT doctors because of the symptoms of dizziness and feeling like she just can't um, can't uh, figure out why she feels this way. And I, I had to spend 20, 30 minutes last night trying to convince her that these symptoms are because of, of something physical, but it's not what she thinks. It's not some, you know, neurological disease that we're missing or some ear, nose, and throat uh, thing that, that we just haven't tested yet because she's had all these different tests and yet they're all normal and it's frustrating for her it's frustrating for us as physicians and, and so in my mind you know mental health is something that is, is, is it's not like it should be separate per se it's, it's really part of the whole person it's something that I um, you know struggle to to convince people about a lot in my own practice so
1: part of the whole person that's really cool
3: So my name is Brian Bell, and I'm a high school principal. And I think in terms of this topic, I work with a lot of students at that moment of crisis. And I think the thing that's interesting to me is that most of the time, they look like they have it together, and frankly, most of the time they probably do. But at that, there's so much that goes on during those years, those years of adolescence, and oftentimes my role would be the place where they end up or start with uh, when that crisis happens, and are able to uh, start that process of walking through that recovery with those students. hmm
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, so, Rochelle, you're um, tell us where you're at in school and, and all that stuff for counseling. Like, how, tell us about. Um, just briefly about what you're studying and all that kind of stuff.
0: Sure. So I'm a second-year master's student. I'm on the uh, the end part of my journey as a master's student in the counseling psychology program at CBU. What, what? <laughs> so uh, so that means that Alex and I get to walk in August with our master's degree and soon become full-on counselors almost. Um, oh. Yeah, we are currently practicing at different locations. I'm currently practicing at Christian Counseling Service just down the street. It's a general mental health clinic, and uh, Alex is practicing at Sunrise Recovery Ranch uh, with the um, addicted population. So it's been a blessing so far.
1: Yeah, and, and pretty soon you're going to launch some counseling through the mission. Is that correct?
0: That is my goal. Uh, not all clinicians uh, see a desi- have a desire or see the importance of bridging the gap between... Uh, the psyche, like the mental part of a person and the spiritual part of a person, because it's really difficult to talk about those things. But for me, that's one uh, that's so important to me. So I'd like to incorporate what I'm learning at CBU by pursuing a second master's degree in counseling ministry and starting um, a counseling type uh, thing here at the mission.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool. So can you can you talk to us a little bit about what kind of uh, mm-hmm. counseling services there are if one wanted to seek? one out um, you know could could you talk a little bit about that
0: yeah most definitely so um, the great thing about counseling is that you can go in at any time for any reason um, and there are many different modalities that you can seek so you can obviously see you know what we see on TV is the one-on-one individual counseling session but uh, what a lot of people don't know is that there's couples counseling that's separate from marital uh, relationship you can uh, seek a counselor as someone who's dating another person maybe wanting to pursue marriage premarital counseling as well as full on family counseling you could bring you know, full on family eight into one room and be able to talk about issues as well as um, more individualistic where a mother and daughter goes in or a mother and son, father and son can go in Um, but another part of counseling that one can seek out is group therapy and um, I've been a part of it myself and it's very beneficial and it can focus on topics or um, you can seek it out in a practice. So uh, those are just a few of resources.
1: Cool. And we're going to have a resource handout for you guys at the end of all of this that the ushers are going to distribute. And Rochelle put that together for us. It, it, it's really um, a wealth of information. So, um, And so um, some people have the problem that they don't like to talk about themselves. I don't have that problem. But... Um, <laughs> But they, but they don't like to, you know, they don't like to open up about the personal things in their life, the, you know, to to someone who's considered a stranger. Like, uh, um, you know, I'm fine with that. I just, hey, Joe, on the street, you know, hey, I wrestle with anxiety. Woo. No, no, I wouldn't do that. Sorry. Um, but if if people have problems with opening up and they feel um, hesitant to open up to a stranger, like what what. What kind of encouragement could you offer someone who's in that position?
0: Yeah, I'd say that's a very reasonable and uh, understandable thing to, to position to be in. Um, I would give that person uh, encouragement that, especially when seeking help from, from a professional therapist, there is confidentiality involved. The therapist cannot leave the counseling session and go tell all their counselor friends, oh my gosh, I have a client who is this name and they go to the school and they struggle with anxiety definitely not that's definitely uh unethical and we can lose our license for that but also going to seek help individually and and for someone who i've sought help individually it is hard to talk about yourself and to reveal those deepest darkest parts of a person the the parts that you're not proud of the parts that you're ashamed of and um there's comfort to be found in someone who can who can keep that who can hold that for you um and knowing that, that I would want people to know that counselors are trained, especially those at CBU that I can talk about, is that we're trained in a uh, non-judgmental position. We're not here to judge. We're not here to tell you if you're right or wrong. We're here to walk alongside you in that journey um, and guide you wherever you want to go and support you in that um, so there's safety to be found in a counseling type relationship or in a helping type relationship.
1: Mm. Yeah. Awesome, that's that's comforting, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Good. Um, so, what what is the counseling process like for those who don't know? Could Could you describe, um, you know, kind of what it what they could expect from a normal counseling session?
0: Yeah, sure. So it looks different uh, everywhere you go from private practice to uh, general mental health clinic, which is where I am at. Um, typically, you know, it's, it's paid, you pay up front and all those things. But when you enter the first counseling session, you're going to meet your therapist and uh, they're going to talk to you about who they are, what they specialize in, if they have any specializations, um, as well as their credentials and if they're supervised, all those good things. Um, and uh, they'll tell you about the, that confidentiality I had mentioned. There are also mandated reporters. reporters. They'll go over that, what that means, um, that there are a few limits to confidentiality, such as if you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. They do need to report that. But everything else stays confidential. After that first session, you start getting to know your therapist. You guys will enter into an assessment phase. And what that simply means is that the a therapist is going to ask a ton of questions about a person's life, um, with the intention of it being whole encompassing, so me as a therapist, I want to see uh, my client as a whole person. I want to know who they are at school, at work, at home. How are their eating and sleeping habits? Um, all just all the things, so we could kind of get like a big picture. One uh, one of the things I told my clients was that I try to see uh, see my clients as if they're inside the snow globe and I'm outside the snow globe, and I can see kind of what's going on inside. And, and that's, and that's creepy. really. Well, I'm not just staring, you know. Just whenever they come, that's not that's not the goal. (laughs) Um,
1: Don't shake it too fast.
0: No, don't shake it. Don't shake it. Um, Yeah. So after that assessment phase, and a therapist gets a a good understanding of generally who this person is, then the the client will work alongside the therapist to create some goals and to work up some steps on how to uh, reasonably attain those goals, um, because you know. We need to be able to achieve what we want to achieve in life. And, you know, once you feel like you've done that, then, you know, our work is done. I always tell all my clients that my goal is to put myself out of a job. I don't want to be employed. I don't want you to to come see me for the rest of your life. That's not the goal of therapy. The goal of therapy is to get the person at a place in which they can operate and uh, spread their own wings and fly.
1: Cool. That's good. Um, Can you just speak to the difference between traditional counseling versus Christian counseling?
0: Of course, um, you probably won't like the answer. I don't like the answer, to be very honest, um, in that seeking even Christian counseling outside of a church is going to look very different than seeking Christian counseling or uh, a helping relationship inside the church. So it doesn't mean that you can't seek it outside. Um, unfortunately, the reality is, and I'm here to be real with you guys, the reality is um, You can tell, and I encourage you, if if spirituality or religion is important to you, by all means, please tell your therapist that. Please tell whoever's helping you with that. Because they can incorporate it, but it's more of like a sprinkling, like a sprinkle on top, um, rather than a whole, like a foundation built on the Bible. And that's simply because as therapists, we're trained in the secular tradition of counseling. We're trained in psychology and, and biology, like all those things that... That um, are not tied to spirituality because we have um, we have a duty to not influence our clients in that way. So if a client asks me that they want to incorporate, you know, Buddhism or or the Muslim tradition, what I'm going to go do is go find resources for them, but at their level, at their at their state of mind. So if you go seek out Christian counseling, you will get that. You will get uh, biblical tenets. Ideally, but you won't be able to grow spiritually in that—at least, not to the degree in which you would in a church-like setting. Mm. So, it's not an answer that I really—I'd like to give, but it's the—it's the reality.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Um. So, you posted this really incredible video of a TED Talk a while back on on um, Facebook, and um, I. My wife actually told me about it, and I went and hunted it down because I, I try to stay away from Facebook. But, um, but um, it, uh, it, it, it was really interesting to me, and I feel like it spoke directly to some of the things that we've discussed throughout the sermon series and um, how important healthy relationships are in terms of combating isolation and even can help you are proven to help you live longer and those types of things and I was just wondering if could you speak to that just a little bit
0: Yeah most definitely so um of course we know that that our relationships have been broken and tweaked and and damaged since day one since uh, the first sin of man and for, for all time now we have to kind of live with that and work with that and, and that's why we're all here wrestling with this um, but I did bring up some passages from the Bible that talk about um, healthy relationships and how it's important to to seek out relationships uh, I really like that Jason that you had mentioned that isolation is the quiet killer because that is so so true both in uh, a psychological setting or a therapeutic setting as well as within the context of a church. And so uh, the, the messages or the uh, verses that I have to share are Proverbs 1, 5. A wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So what that's telling us is that we don't... We don't just wake up and we know things. We don't just wake up and we, we learn things. We go and seek out people, whether it's at a school, at a church, or uh, within fellowship with one another. Um, also, Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And by all means, please hear that I'm not saying these texts are telling you to go get therapy. That's not what this means. Uh, it's, it's being in relationship, and that's what I, I pride myself on. and and uh, it's so true that the, I would say the most um, efficient tool of, the, of our adversary, of the devil, is, is to keep people isolated, to keep people alone. That's why you have uh, that, that haunting thing in the back of your mind. To let me know if this is just me telling you, you know what, like, you don't, you don't really know what you're talking about. You're not good enough. You know, if you, if you wear that today, maybe somebody will laugh at you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that, that's that voice telling you to, to stay by yourself, to stay quiet. Nobody else is struggling w- w- with what you're struggling with. Only yeah. you are going through that right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. That's not true at all. Um, so it also true. says in Ecclesiastes that, that there's nothing new under the sun. And not only does that apply to you know fashion and things like that, but that applies to our problems, that applies applies to, to our everyday lives, um, that it's, it's happened for all time. And uh, I just can't emphasize enough that reaching out to one another, even if it's minimal, even if it's just, hey, I'm struggling with something. I don't want to tell you right now, but I need you to pray for me. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's great. That's great. Did I answer your question? Yeah, that's
1: great. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mark, so, um,
2: hi. Hi. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you too.
1: (laughs) It's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <All right. laughs> as a as a doctor who's also a believer, right? You're, you are a believer, correct? Yes. Okay, all right. So um, as a doctor who's also a believer, what are your thoughts when people are told uh, the reason why they're struggling with mental illness is because of their faith is lacking in some way or whatever?
2: I mean, I think it, for me, I, I would say it makes me sad maybe to see... Um, that put on somebody in that way. I mean, you wouldn't say the reason your hand is broken is because you don't have enough faith. The reason, you know, there's anything physical in your body, we don't do that. Uh, and so it's it's strange that we separate those two things, as we know in science um, nowadays, and even Rochelle was talking a lot of the, of the therapy, uh, and and she was saying it's secular. It's fascinating because I don't I I, I know it's secular in in the minds of those who. Came up with it, but I believe it's very sacred in truth because, yeah, because all truth is comes from God's creation, and the reason it works, it's not because these humans figured it out. The reason why um, mental health care, whether it's in therapy or in medications or in um, you know healthy habits, works, is because because God created it that way, and so um, so just as we wouldn't tell someone who's who's broken a bone that the reason their bone is broken because their faith is not strong enough. Uh, similarly, I feel that it's, I guess, foolish or I I might get angry if I'm, if I'm being honest that I get angry about it, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's their fault. I think we've, we've kind of built this duality between mind and, and body throughout our history. And that's just kind of part of our culture. And so we have to, as Christians, as, as people of faith, um, Change that back to the reality that that all of it is 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 whole. We are whole. Mm-hmm. We are in our mind, and our body, and our spirit are all kind of part of us one. And it's all a lot of it is biology. It's really, truly, we're finding with with functional MRIs and and the study of our um, neurotransmitters and all of the things that we know. Um, we're we're starting to become realize that all of this actually is. Is truly science, mm-hmm. and science is not separate from faith, and mm-hmm. and I think that's a tough thing for us to believe in our culture today, because we we are told, you know, if you if you if you're a believer, you have to kind of reject science, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've set up a false dichotomy. Our culture has set that up for us, and uh, honestly, if we're being honest, the church has set that up as well, mm-hmm. um, to say that, you know, we we kind of. Take ourselves away from the facts of science, and that's that's not helping us. It makes us look foolish in the in the eyes of, of of those who want to know the truth of who Jesus is and who God is in in creation. And we need to embrace that.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. You guys with us? Is this, is this, is this good? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. I heard I heard one good. So. Um, so. You were talking about, um, science. Uh, are there actual, um, physical differences that take place in the body with someone who wrestles with mental illness?
2: I mean, I think there's, obviously there's lots of different mental illnesses. We saw a bunch of them on the, on the screen. Um, each one of them has different, you know, chemical and biological and, um, Physical differences. I, I, mean, I can't tell you all of them exactly. Uh, I am a family medicine doctor, not a psychiatrist or a neuroscientist, <laughs> but there are very, um, you know, key differences between each of these. So, I mean, that's why you you need the help of therapists. You need the help of psychiatrists. You need the help of, um, you know, neuroscientists to kind of build this and bridge this gap. Uh, so, I would say yes. Each each of them have uh, their characteristics that are that are specific to. Um, each of the disorders that, um, you know uh, last week we heard a little bit about you know more of the, the dSM five I don't know if you know, we talked a little bit about that, but diagnosis each of the di- those diagnoses have actual you know physical and chemical um, imbalances and things that we find mm-hmm. um, in neuroscience. So I think, yes, the answer is yes. There's differences. And,
1: and during the first sermon, the first time uh, it's okay to not be okay, Volume One, you showed us some brain scans, right, yeah, of a depressed yeah. brain versus mm-hmm. a, I don't know.
2: Yeah. So there's yeah. That, when I say functional MRI, what we do is we put people in who are say depressed or in a depressed state or are having you know um, s- some. Schizophrenia, or having a you know bipolar disorder, and and see how their brain functions, comparing it to a kind um, of quote unquote normal, which probably not most of us aren't normal. If you if you think about it, you all, we all have s- strange things about ourselves, right? And um, so, but but somebody who's suffering from each disorder, we we look at their brain. Um, as it's working and see where the where all the chemicals are are focused and and you can see differences in that Mm -hmm. way. So yeah it's 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 truly fascinating and I think there's more to come in the next probably ten years we'll know even more and more Mm -hmm. as as we as we continue to learn about the brain. Mm -hmm.
1: What what kind of symptoms should people be looking out for in their own life um, that maybe they need to reach out to a primary care physician versus a counselor? or
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I, I think you start with, with just what we've talked about. Start with your relationship. Start talking to your friends and your family about the symptoms that you're having. Um, so not hiding things. I think that's, that's number one. Second, mm-hmm. I think it's a great first step to just start with a counselor. I think the counselor's... No, are 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 open to looking out for the symptoms that are, are readily available to be treated with more medication modalities, and so if they see that, they they may encourage you to go see your doctor as well. But the things that I, I would say as you, um, if you can if you can, because every every different disorder is different, so, right So, but my my sense is if it's affecting your your relationships, if it's affecting your job, if it's affecting your day to day living. Um, those are kind of the, the hallmark for. Gosh, I need to seek help. I need to actually seek f- uh, physician help uh, because those are the types of things that medications can help with. Um, you know, again, this patient I saw yesterday. If you think about, um, the person was saying that their their relationships were being affected. They, the job, they were going to lose their job. You know, those kinds of things are types of are types of signals that. Yeah, this is getting so bad that I. I need help. Um, that being said, don't wait till that point. Reach out, and, you know. Initially, when you start feeling down, when you start feeling sad, or you know, if you're talking about anxiety, if you start having those palpitations, talk to somebody about it. And um, if it gets to that level of it affecting those things, those that's when we start thinking about really truly treating with medications. Um, you know, if the symptoms are are so severe that, and again, whatever that would be for you. Um, that they're that they're getting in the way of daily life. That's when we start.
1: Yeah. So let's say somebody goes to see their primary care doctor, and the doctor d- is like, "Yeah, I think you need to take some medicine," mm-hmm. um, and they feel hesitant to do that. What is the What is the process of that look like? Like the the be- the beginning process. Sure. Into medication, if if necessary.
2: Yeah. So if medication is necessary, you've talked to your physician about it. First of all, I think very many people are very scared to start medication. It's a it's kind of a scary thing. It feels like oh, I'm giving up or I'm, you know, it's going to change my personality or it's going to do something scary to me. And all medications have side effects. So I can't. I'm not going to say that there's no risk of. Of issues from them, but I, I think the things we worry and we make up about them are more are less worrisome to the physician than the, than the side effects that we can get from medications. So, just as a you know word of encouragement about if you do need medications, they don't change who you are. They don't make you some zombie. Um, you know, there's side effects. So that's one thing. And the reason why we, we when we start medications, we start them slowly with lower um, doses and then slowly taper them up is because of those side effects. So. Most common side effects to most of these types of medications, and again, it's hard to paint a broad brush, but most people find things like nausea and and headaches sometimes happen initially. But most of those medication side effects actually get better over the first few weeks. So if you are starting these medications, a lot of times I see people, ah, it didn't work for me. Well, first, the problem is they don't work the first week you take them. But you get all the side effects from them the first week you take them. So they're really, it's like a double-edged sword. You you don't get any benefit for the first week, and you only feel sick, sicker <laughs> the first week. So it's unfortunate that that's how these medications work. But over time, they do start, the, the side effects start tapering off. The medication starts having the intended effect on the neurochemistry of your brain. Things start looking different in your life, and you start feeling different, and so um, I can't tell you how many times, um, when I, I used to work in psychiatry, actually, back when I first started um, re- after residency, and I just would help, help uh, with medication adjustments, and I'd see these people back a month later, and it would just be like, I saw this brightness to them, and a difference in them, and I was, I was, I always you know, if I was not a believer in the medications before, I was much more, I was a believer after seeing those, those, um, those transformations. So, um, give it time. I think that's the other thing.
1: hmm Yeah. Good. Thank you. Um, so my wife is a hippie. Um, <laughs> She's over there. I, I, call know. Her, I, I call her hippie wife all the time. Um, be, I'll be careful. She, I'll um, be careful. She, she's always trying to get me to do more natural stuff. Like right now, she bought activated charcoal toothpaste. Yeah, Has anybody used that before? Uh-huh. I, I haven't used it. I think yet. I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. So, but but so like she she's always trying to get us to do more and more and more and more natural stuff. And so like if if there's people out there that are just like anti medication, I am not gonna take medication at all. I maybe have a past history with you know uh, bad experiences with pills or whatever. Are there other ways to deal with some? Mental health issues without taking medicine, like um, I, I know s- probably not all of them, but at least a portion of them could could, could probably yeah
2: no I, I think that and um, I will say this very nicely, but uh, many things work for for many people for lots of different medical conditions that aren't studied um, and and don't have evidence behind them that's not to say they don't work okay so um, so, activated charcoal, more power to you there 's no you know placebo controlled double blind studies about that, but that doesn 't mean that it hasn 't helped somebody so um and, there's, and the main thing i I see it as is is there harm in it okay so again, be careful what you find out there, be careful what you go and chase down outside of the the, the, the medical community because there's there 's people that are trying to sell you stuff trying to make money off of these conditions there's millions and millions and millions of people who struggle with mental health and if there's a snake oil that they can sell you to help you feel like you might get better they will do it and and i mean they meaning society and those people are trying to make money so be careful with it is all my, my you're not talking about essential oils are you not talking about <laughs> no, no, any specific no, no. With thing my oils. at all <laughs> that's why i'm being careful <laughs> That being said, so that's well, on the on the topic of things that no are outside of, outside of outside of medical knowledge. It's not to say they don't work; they work for many people. Okay. Second of all, what kinds of things can you do outside from the medicals perspective that's studied and well um, documented? Uh, you know, again, make sure you're getting enough sleep. Uh, sleep is, and, and sometimes that's a problem in and of itself. Sometimes that is the reason we treat. With medications, right, is sleep medications. But there's a lot of ways to get to get better sleep without taking medications. Um, you know, make sure you set a good time to go to bed every night. Every night, um, make sure it's dark. Make sure you don't look at screens within an hour before your bedtime. Um, those are all kind of what we call sleep hygiene ta- tactics that help. Uh, make sure you get enough exercise um and it doesn't have to be like you know lifting weights and doing something crazy it's just t- take a walk 30 minutes a day um and it doesn't have to be fast and i know you know that's difficult for some people to uh sometimes it's swimming sometimes you know so these any type of aerobic exercise helps to kind of calm down those neurochemicals that are fighting you and making you feel um you know making you feel like your heart's racing and those kinds of things getting burning off that steam um Making sure you eat healthy, making sure you, you get good nutrition. Those are all ways of taking care of yourself that don't require medication. So, relationships, true, very very good. Um, one of the things, one of the pieces that, I mean, and this is medical knowledge that that uh, Rochelle already talked about, but I would say as well, um, you know, talking to your family, having, you know, working working out those those things that are stressing you out with your with your friends and family. Those are those are big components to men- mental health um, problems that people deal with, and, and I see every day. too. Uh-huh. I mean, people come into me and say, you know, I'm, st- my, I, I just feel these palpitations. I'm stressed. I'm like, my, I'm, my jaw tight. I my blood pressure's high, and my boss is harassing me. And this is, you know, what's going on with my kids. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I could write a medication, a, a prescription for your boss to treat you better, <laughs> and your family to, to, to respect you, because that would actually cure a lot of these symptoms and they say, yeah, I I agree. Um, so, so this is, (laughs) yeah, right. I (laughs) I mean, that's the piece. That's, that's, that's truth. We know that. So, yeah. So,
1: Thank you, you, Mark. I mean, I know this is a little different guys for, for our time for the message and, and we're going to get back to the normal routine next week, but I feel like this is so important to, to equip people with resources and just, talk about it, you know, so thank you for that, I appreciate it Um, Brian, oh yeah, please If
0: I may add on to uh, Dr. Mark, I I totally agree, and I just want to like caveat therapy too, that we can also help with physiological uh, stressors and things, that's one of the things I, I ask my clients, like right when I see them, like what are you coming in for? And they say, I can't sleep at night. I'm awake all the time. Things like that. Uh, therapy can also provide tools. We are uh, kind of a form of a toolbox to give you exercises to do in the, in the evening to sleep better or uh, whatever else to, to assist with mental health issues as well in addition to medication or without Ooh. medication as the, the client deems necessary. Nice. So thank you.
1: That's your last plug. No. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's it. I'm just teasing. <laughs> all right. So um, I had the privilege of going up to the Upper School Arrowhead Christian Academy retreat last year. Mark and I both did, and uh, we led worship. And uh, there was this time where there was a fire pit, um, and the kids just kind of began to share what's going on in their lives. And uh, it was uh, an incredibly impactful time for me. Um, I I walked away from that very challenged, very... um, uh, I don't know, just hopeful and uh the these kids, many of them were going through devastating things um I remember particularly one time looking over and there was uh, there was a, a young lady who was just crying, crying, sobbing, and Brian had his arm around her in an appropriate side hug kind of way and um you know and he I, and i and I honestly don't know if the Tears were tears of sadness or tears of joy, but I just remember the look on Brian's face. Um, it was so caring and just like so much more than a principal. And uh, I know for me personally, I'm I'm going to have a sixth, well, I guess I have a sixth grader now. He just graduated from fifth grade. And so adolescence, I, I know for me personally, in my own experience with, um, mental health and you know uh, a lot of the stuff that I deal with goes back to my adolescence and, and and so I feel like it's so important that we begin to grasp this and that's why I asked Brian who is not only a principal but a father um to to be a part of this panel because I feel like anybody whose parents out there whether your kids are young um now um they're they're not going to be young always. I know you don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to hear that. You know, but um, so I feel like it's it's important for us to be prepared as as parents for this. So, um, Ryan, can you just describe some of the mental health challenges that you see affecting the youth that you encounter, whether it be inside themselves or within their family?
3: Yeah, I think, um, I think it's a challenging time for young people uh, with what's going on in adolescence. So um, to understand what's going on in the brain during adolescence, the human brain actually changes more than it does at any other time of your life during adolescence. And uh, teenagers' brains are actually bathed with hormones that would be comparable to what a woman experiences during her period up to three times a day. So if you ever feel like your teenagers like this, they are. That's really what's going on with them. So there's just a lot of stuff. I'd say the number one thing that we're seeing today that we didn't necessarily, or people tell me that they didn't see 20 years ago, is, is the rising uh, in levels of anxiety among young people. Um, This is something that was not there. And I I think there's probably three reasons for it. Um, One, I think part of it relates to how we parent today. So our generation of parents are called uh, helicopter parents. Uh, We hover around to make sure nothing goes wrong for our kids. Or we're also called snowplow parents. We go in front of our kids and smooth everything out. But what that creates in our young people is a fear of failure in a sense of always having performance. So everything's been smoothed out for me. I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. Um, I think a second factor that relates to it, so when a young person goes into adolescence, they become a par- a really aware of the world around them. So for girls, that's usually around fifth or sixth grade, where they start to be aware of the world around them. For boys, it can tend to be more like sixth, seven, even eighth grade. And what's going on with them uh, during that time period is they go from having where their parents have this, uh, you know, the, the, they're not particularly aware of themselves. It's all is done in the context of their parents to becoming much more aware of themselves, and they tend to compare themselves to others. So, 30 years ago, when you compared yourselves to others, it was your little class of uh, you know 15 other same gender kids at your school, and that was about all there was to compare yourself to. Now, we're surrounded by a world where everything is available to you, and you have an Instagrammed. Uh, you know, Facebook kind of experience that says this is what you should be like and so this this sense of comparing yourself to others which tends to be done from a very negative perspective among adolescents is heightened by this experience of being in the social media world and I think the third thing that's happening in our world today that makes anxiety particularly an issue is that we are addicted to our devices starting at a very young age and so there's no space, there's no quiet there's no opportunity to sort of step back and have those moments of reflection and again I think that's leading to a lot of young people uh, at a very young age, even younger than the kids I work with, already experiencing symptoms of anxiety. Wow. Man. That, that's why Apple,
1: in iOS 12, their latest update that's coming out, they're, they're actually installing features that help you break tech edition. Tech addiction, which is brilliant marketing, because they don't want you to drop it completely. They just want you to overcome the tech addiction, right? So, my uh, my wife's marketing mind thought of that. So, <laughs> awesome. Um, so, uh, ad- we already talked about uh, adolescence being the formative years um, in so many ways. How how early have you, in in, in your own experiences,
3: seen mental health begin to? Uh, become an issue and emerge. Yeah, I mean, and now I work with high school kids, so I definitely I've seen it at all levels of high school. Uh, but I think we, even within our school system, I was just meeting with a family of the sixth grader who um, was, I mean, honestly, a video game addict and had difficulty separating from reality to uh, his fantasy world. And the two worlds were all mixed together. And to mm. me, that was the very beginning stages of some mental health issues. And this kid was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. So. Wow. Wow. Um, so
1: how can schools, um, w- like when a parent begins to suspect that their child might not just be a crazy child um, or, you know, uh, have behavioral issues, but, but that there, when, when you begin to suspect as a parent that there might be something mentally
3: going on, how can a school help a parent with that? Yeah, I think this is really big for you to understand as parents. I mean, uh, as parents, we have one or two of these little buggers running around, right? And as schools, I deal with hundreds and thousands over history of students that I've dealt with. So I have a lot of experience. I feel like sometimes the biggest thing I tell parents, this is not the end of the world. You know, we've gone through this before. You'll go through this too. This is, you know, and that that's part of, I think, the experience that a school professional can bring in that. Um, I know within our context of our school, uh, I make a lot of referrals for counseling help uh, love referring to restoration counseling and uh, Genesis counseling as Christian counseling facilities that can help people. And the thing I always tell people is, I'm here today. I'm listening to your problem, and this is great. I care about you. We're going to pray together, and this is wonderful. But you need to have strategies that, are gonna, that you're going to be able to use when you're feeling like whatever they're feeling like. And that, and that is really important. That's where that counseling help can come in. I know for some of the public schools in this area, they may have a counselor on staff at the school, and that can be a resource for uh, people as well. That's great. Um so we've talked a lot about through this series
1: the stigma that is related to mental health um in within the church context and you know you deal with a lot of kids you said it yourself um what do we as adult believers need to do differently to model to the next generation that they so they don't buy into
3: that stigma yeah, I think I think it's really important. Like so often when I meet with kids they carry the results of that stigma, which is to say, Well, I don't need to go to counseling. There's nothing wrong with me and as if there is something had to be this horrible situation in order to uh, pursue counseling or other kinds of help and I, I think our message to them is to, is you know what I just shared a moment ago now this is somebody that is more equipped than I am to be able to help you in you know applying the right strategies for dealing with what you're dealing with and, and those are things that I can't do for you I think a lot of times what I deal with too would be the situation where some 15 year old shares with another 15 year old that I've had suicidal feelings well that's completely wrong this other 15 year old can do nothing to help you and the other 15 year old is usually the one that comes to me and says hey so and so is feeling like this and you know and then we work on it and I just I always talk to the students I, it's totally unfair that you went to your friend you need to go to somebody who can actually help you with what you're dealing with and that's you know I think um, part of our message is that there is you know there are things that legitimately need to be uh, have seek outside help for that's the last question um some people are out there like, good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we went a little over. Sorry. Um, uh, what advice do you have? I mean, you're you're a dad. You're not just a principal. You have two amazing kids of your own, and we've seen them grow up a little bit here at the mission, and we're so proud of them. Hey, Michaela, welcome back. Um, but um, but so what advice do you have to other parents in regards to their own child's mental health or the adult's mental health, um, the parent's
3: mental health? Kind of. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, for one, as parents, we need to take it seriously when our children are uh, exhibiting symptoms or talking about it, negative self-talk, uh, self-harm. Uh, those kinds of things. And I think the hardest things as parents is that oftentimes we know nothing about those things until our kid is experiencing them. And then we have a tendency to be like, is this an issue? Is this not an issue? How do I think about it? And uh, to just take any of those kinds of things that come in come into play and uh, try to uh, deal with them, with a professional, with people that can help uh, right away. And sometimes maybe the first conversation is just with somebody that has been there, done that and experienced it. And then you go outside seeking professional help if that's necessary. But I think a lot of times as parents, there's almost a level of denial because we don't know, you know, the, uh, my kid has experienced this. Is this normal? I don't know. And so mm-hmm. I think uh, just being willing to seek help, get advice can be really helpful. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Do you guys have any
1: final thoughts you want to share?
0: I do. Um, I know that mental health can be a scary thing. It's not something, I think we touched on this, it's not something, something you can see, it's not something, something you can touch, it's not something you can like physically change about yourself. You can't go running and then every all your problems just go away in the mental health world. Um, so it can be very daunting to address this task, and, and I'm aware of this, um, even after being trained, but I just want to give encouragement to my family here who may have not had the same training that my husband or I have in this field that that even without the, the clinical training, we can still make a change in each other's lives or in the lives of those who are struggling with mental health by just showing love, showing compassion, and being there and caring for one another. That goes so far um, to break that isolation um, that they may or may not be feeling Um, But I just want to encourage you guys like There are professionals out there. Please do seek professional help. But we can do we can be the change right here and right now.
1: Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Anything, guys? Ditto. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Can we thank our panel? So as I as I said, you know, um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Now, and uh, I'm also going to invite the ushers to distribute those uh, mental health resource sheets uh, at this moment. Um, But I just want to remind you of a couple of things as we close out this series and we we wrap up for today. Um, Number one, number one thing I want you to know today when you walk away is that you are not alone. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is, you are not alone. And you have people who care about you. Um, and we're all in process. Um, as I spoke about earlier, you never know what somebody's going through by looking at them from the outside. Um, we're all facing trials and, and we're all persevering in, in one way or another. But, but James 1, uh, chapter 1, 2 through 4 Gives us the encouragement, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, even when you face trials of many kinds, that list up that I put up on the screen that was all kinds of, of issues and trials that people are dealing with when you face trials of many kind, many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its Work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And, and so I just think we're all in process. The Lord is, is, is bringing us through and, and we, are, we are persevering. But you don't have to persevere alone. You have a church family who loves you and we're here for you no matter what. And so that's what today was about. We wanted to equip you for those things that you are facing. And uh, it's not a traditional Sunday message, but sometimes we have to do some things outside the box to make sure people get the help that they need. And so I'm willing to take that risk. Um, So I want to just invite you to, let's just go to prayer right now. Father God, I just, I thank you. Lord, I'm so grateful that we have a place where we can become vulnerable. Lord, I've shared my struggles with the church, and and you know my struggle more deeply than even I do, God. And, And I just thank you for a place where we can feel safe to be vulnerable. Lord, I invite you to take this, this teaching series that we've done and, and these resources and I invite you to do a deep work in people's lives today. Holy Spirit, move in and cast out all darkness. We command all chains to be broken in the mighty name of Jesus, that the one who sets the captives free who is the hope for all generations. Jesus, we ask You to move in our hearts. Lord, open us up. Lord, You love us. No matter where we're at, You love us and we, we, can't, we can't be grateful enough for that. God, I, I ask you, Lord, for this series to be one that we carry with us, Lord, and that we would begin to walk alongside each other, keep watch with, with each other. Lord, may you have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I just want to say one more thing, just real briefly. I know we're over time, but I I can't let today go by without saying this, is that if you're having suicidal thoughts or tendencies, I would love to talk to you and or help you find somebody to talk to that you can talk to, um, don 't end your own life because you are loved and you're, you're you you have worth even if you don 't feel like you have worth, you have worth sometimes you can 't trust the the things you can 't trust your own thoughts a lot of times i 've had thoughts where I just i, I don 't see my worth and you cannot trust those thoughts going on in your head. So if you are dealing with that, I don't want you to become another statistic. I want, I, I, I can't, I, I beg you, don't isolate any longer and, and come talk to me, come talk to somebody. If you don't want to talk to me, I'll gladly help you find somebody to talk to but you are loved and you have worth not only in our eyes but the Father's eyes because He created you and He loves you and He's faithful. So um, if the ushers could come forward as we take our tithes and offering and I'll just pray over that real briefly. Um, Jesus, we give this offering to you. Um. Father, we we bring before you what is already yours. Uh, Everything that is within our hands is from you. And so we hold it with an open hand and say, put in and take out as you see fit. Lord, have your way with this offering. Send it out to our nations and our neighborhoods. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Special podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.